0: To another edition of Alpi Parsha Podcast, the Parsha Podcast, where every week we do a light dive into this week's Torah portion. We will break down the Parsha, explore a random passage connected to Judaism and Jewish texts, and finish up by connecting it to our lives. As always, I am one of your co hosts, Paul Saleka, and as always, I am joined by Aaron Rotenberg.
1: Hey, everyone. Hey, Paul. I like that updated intro. Let's Thank you, We're yeah. Getting our structure down.
0: I'm structured if nothing else, you know, so.
1: So useful for building things. You need good structure. Um, How's your week been, Paul? My week has been,
0: I guess, really good. Lots of really, really uh, interesting things happening. Like uh, we had some positive movement so far on uh, the child creation journey. So that was fun. We're like... uh, our embryos are on route to being created, um, wow. which I know is bad luck in Judaism to talk about conception, but I, I can't help myself. I'm, I'm,
1: myself and all our list of listeners love to hear the good news that is moving along, along well.
0: Yeah, so that's, uh, we'll actually know officially in a few, t- tomorrow actually, we'll find out officially uh, how many embryos we'll have to work with, but it's looking very optimistic. So that was really great. And then I also spent some time with my in-laws this week, which was really enjoyable. Like uh, I really like my mother-in-law's cooking and, uh, we had a nice really long debate as a family kind of as to which is better, you know, making a lot, a lot of money, but having no time for your family or making a little bit less money and having more time for your family. Um, and I think the majority agreed it's better to have a bit of time for your family. Uh, so this was kind of like an interesting reflection, you know, thinking about building a family I'm like oh how much time do you spend with your family and how much time do you spend on your career so these were kind of interesting questions to ask how was your week Aaron how was uh how was leading shul yesterday uh
1: yeah my week was good and we had nice services at Annex shul uh I was worried that not a lot of people would be around because it's American Thanksgiving and lots of folks in the community here have American ties even though we're Above the border in Canada, as listeners hopefully have figured out by now um and there still was a nice good group of people, and the weather was nice. We did kiddish outside, and you know, it just feels nice to be gathering together with people. It still feels like a treat to me,
0: yeah, absolutely like um it's funny too i was i don't know if you're familiar with the c j n writer. Phoebe maltz uh, I think she also writes for the Toronto Star. Uh, she was saying how uh, she's American and moved to Canada at some point in the last 10 years. I don't know the exact timeline, but she said the only way Canadians know that it's American Thanksgiving is from Black Friday. Uh, and that's so true because, like, um, while American media usually dominates the Canadian landscape, because we have our own Thanksgiving a month and a half before American Thanksgiving it's so out of my mind that I find it almost jarring when I'm reminded of American Thanksgiving. I'm like, what do you mean we've done this? Like it must be how, um, I think there's some group of Christians who they have a later Christmas than the Roman Catholic Christians. And I'm like, they must have the same thing where they're like, what do you mean Christmas? Like, uh, oh wait, no, the other way around. But I'm just like, it always throws me off with like American Thanksgiving. I'm like, what do you mean Thanksgiving? Even though I'm 34 years old, I should uh, be used to the concept of American Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. And too bad that the capitalism piece of Black Friday is all that trickles down so strongly.
0: Yeah. the sales, too.
1: Can't complain. The capitalism and the sales. We get it all.
0: Yeah. I heard that some places don't have sales. Like, apparently Lush, because they are they try to have good living wages and stuff. They don't do sales for black Friday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, what an interesting idea a sale free company. Like, um, it's almost kind of, a taking a stand, you know,
1: I'm, I'm all for taking a stand. Speaking of taking a stand, let's see who took a stand in this week's Parsha with Toldot. Um, Whose turn is it to go first for our one minute summary? I feel
0: like it's me. Um, okay. So let me put up my timer. And then, I mean, I'm very excited by this week's summary. I feel like hold up, uh, there's a lot to say here. So I'm going to put on my timer for one minute. And then we are going to get into the one minute summary, like our, our little song, right? Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. So in this parsha, Isaac and Rebecca uh are childless, a theme we've seen a lot. Um, and then she gets pregnant and it seems to be with uh fraternal twins. Well, we find that out later. And the twins, the pregnancy is very painful. And it's said that two nations are struggling within her womb, um, and then she has two kids, Jacob and Esau. Um Jacob being loved by Rebecca and Esau being loved by Isaac, um, and Jacob uh, being also less kind of rambunctious and less powerful than Esau as they grow up. Uh, e- Jacob gets Esau's birthright over a bowl of lentils uh, and then also Jacob receives his father's blessing, father's blessing by deceiving. Isaac uh by pretending he's Esau because he's dressed up with Rebecca's help, and that's how Jacob gets the blessing of the firstborn. And that's what I got. I know I missed a lot of subplots in that one, but I think nice I had job.
1: You got the, the, the broad outlines, which is what we need in a summary. So right, let's high,
0: yeah, let's let's hear what you've got to say about this. I think there's a lot I didn't cover, of course. I know we always do this unconsciously, that we cover what the other person didn't, didn't cover. Um, so you need not feel pressure, but I'm like, there is a lot I missed in there. So I'm, I'm interested. Okay, we'll see if I can pick up that. on any of the other things. Yeah, okay. Three, two, one, go. Uh,
1: after the death of Abraham and Sarah, the focus switches to Rebecca and Isaac, and the two children that they have, uh, Jacob and Esau, uh, we hear about how Isaac needs to has some issues with the Philistines, um, has to redig wells that his father dug before, has some encounters with uh, the king of Gerar, and they get, get out of those. We hear about the ongoing rivalry between uh, Jacob and Esau, uh, how Esau gets tricked out of his birthright for some red lentil stew. Um, and then at the end of his life, when Isaac is blind, Rebecca's like, a. We need to really get Jacob up in there to get the final blessing. And Rebecca puts some hairy furs on, cooks some food the way that uh, Esau cooks it, and basically tricks Jacob, her husband, into giving her favorite son uh, the blessing.
0: Very good. I'm so glad you caught the the well subplot, because I totally was like, I couldn't speak to it because it felt so random to me. I couldn't remember it as deeply, but I remembered that I didn't remember it.
1: Yeah. It's all the stories with Isaac feel like they're not really so fleshed out. Like we really get a strong picture of Abraham. We get a strong picture of Jacob and Isaac. It's like harder to pin down. I think
0: it's true. Like even when I was practicing for this week's uh, podcast, and as you know, every week I mentioned how I read through Louis Ginsburg's Legends of the Jews. The chapter of stories around Jacob, sorry, the chapter of stories around Abraham is called Abraham. And then it jumps to a chapter called Jacob. There is no Isaac chapter. It just, um, he's obviously referred to several times in both the Abraham and Jacob chapter, but he does have his own chapter. Um, which is so funny, you know, considering it would be so neat to do like patriarchs, but instead it's like the two patriarchs you really wanted to hear about uh, kind of like being like the fourth Jonas brother or something. Um, Cause I think there's four of them, but only three of them are in a band. So that's the analogy that yeah. comes to mind.
1: Yeah. And I want like, so that's why all the little details about Isaac are so precious to like be able to fill out stories. And I like that. Well, well digging part because it get, gets picked up by uh other rabbis but like oh this is right we need to the spiritual path uh to like get to the deep waters of connecting to the divine right our ancestors our parents might do it in some way and we can learn from how they do it but we need to redig those wells ourselves we need to find our own spiritual path forward that's what i have in my mind when i think of isaac redigging abraham's wells
0: that's so such a great insight. And I guess you have a connection to Isaac um, because of your wife mm-hmm. uh, has Isaac in her name.
1: Last name is Isaac's for those listening who don't know. And it's also such a great name, right? Isaac means like laughter and it feels like it points towards like living a life that's joyful or playful. And we need that sort of piece too. Um, we need more Isaac and laughter.
0: And you're almost reminding me as well before we jump into the random texts. Mm-hmm. Even what you said about Isaac redigging the wells kind of reminds me of how the Israelites, none of the generation of the slaves could go into the promised land. It had to be a whole new generation. So, just this mm-hmm. idea that like there needs to be a new generation, um, kind of a reset, is really interesting to me. So, uh, that's definitely stuff we could talk about. I think dive deep. We'll see what organically comes. But before that, I'd love to hear what the random passage we'll be doing today is.
1: Yeah, let's find out what it's going to be. I didn't print off pages to shuffle this time. Um, This practice, I think, is kind of, uh, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, or I think we mentioned that we took it from Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. um, But they Mm -hmm. explain more fully, which we haven't yet, that there is a I think it's a Christian monastic tradition called Lectio Divina, where you open up a book and just find a find a verse. So I'm going to do it more in the Lectio Divina classic way. I've got my humash here, and I have the pages that are Parsha Toldot, and I'm going to open up one of them and put my finger in. Let's see what we get.
0: Let's see. Let's see what happens. It's kind of like those people who pick a random place to travel by hitting a globe and it's always like atlantic ocean
1: oh well we got chapter 26 verse 18 and isaac dug anew the wells of water encamped in the valley of gerar and dwelled isaac dug anew the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham's death, and he called them by the same names that his father had called them. Vayashov Yitzchak v'yachpor et be'erot ha'mayim asher chafru b'yemei Avraham aviv, v'yistamum plishtim acharei mot Avraham v'yikra lahen shemot kashemot asher kara lahen aviv. Okay. The fates want us to discuss this well digging part more. And one thing that's coming up for me in this uh, verse is that there's also some conflict with the Philistines, right? That there's a, these Philistines, the plishtim that come in fill the wells in that are causing these problems. And I think that I'm, as I was kind of explaining before, I'm inclined to, a more Hasidic or psychological reading of these texts, right? And I'm thinking right if Isaac's finding his spiritual way forward, what are the things that get in the way? What are the like the plistim in our right, our lives? There's not a people by that name these days, but like what are the what are the challenges and the aspects that prevent us from like getting to the the deep waters that we want to connect with? That's what I'm wondering when I'm reading this.
0: I mean, yeah, Deep Waters 2 is a very significant imagery in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, I think you really brought so much there. So actually, maybe you could... I want to first pick apart also your framing device. You said this is a Hasidic way to look at it. What do you mean by that?
1: Mm. Yeah, Hasidic, which is like a kind of popularized... Jewish mysticism, Um, rabbis in that school like to look at the narratives and characters in the Torah, and instead of reading them like only as literary characters, to try to read them in a way to understand what they could bring out or illuminate about our own psychological conditions. Um, so instead of saying like, oh well, what can we learn about Abraham? Like the question is what is what is the Abraham within us? And what are right, the same same thing I'm asking here? Like what is the not what are the historical Philistines? But like what what are the f- parts of ourselves that might correspond with the Philistines and like a uh, parts of our mind and, and thought? And I find that more. Often I find that kind of reading helpful to find, yeah, personal and direct meaning.
0: That's so interesting because we've talked a little bit about literary theory indirectly in this podcast, and it is kind of the difference then kind of of the, I don't want to really uh, assign hierarchy to things by saying like the old way and the new way, but I know like in previous years, There's this idea of authorial intent, like what was the author trying to tell us? And there's the idea of kind of new criticism or close reading, like what can we, just by looking at a text, gather from it? So kind of what you're saying is similar to that, that there was one approach. Um, I guess what is that like, is it more Litvak that's kind of like authorial intent and texty, and then their rivals, like the Hasidim, um, being more like, hey, no, what can we just what's jumping out to us and like what's connecting us to this? Um, am I getting that kind of really broad strokes? I hope I'm not offending any Litvaks or Hasidim uh, in making that broad stroke. Although the people who were probably in that rivalry phase have all since
1: died, <laughs> <laughs> their descendants live on. It's true. We don't feel that rivalry so strongly, but I think that's, that's, those are good outlines. I just also want to add that I think that Hasidim weren't coming up with this way of, explaining like only in contrast to the mit or the litvak wave uh reading it but they were building it off of a the mystical tradition um which preceded them like around the kabbalah and other like jewish mystical sources which i think have the reading of taking everything in the torah and i think the more classical mystical way of reading it is about and that's describing god so, like, let's say a Kabbalist would see, oh, Abraham is doing something, and they would say, oh, that's actually describing the Abraham aspect of God, and that's part of like how the Kabbalists like use the spherot, that Abraham is connected with the aspect of Chesed of loving kindness. So, when it's talking about Abraham in the text, Abraham really that's talking about an aspect of God. When it's talking about Isaac, that's also another aspect of God, and then the Chassidim are like using that same way of reading the text, but they're saying something like, oh, actually, whenever we're talking about God, we're a reflection of God. So they find the human peace through that. So that's just what, another flip that they're doing. What is
0: Isaac's uh, quality? Like, I, I don't remember.
1: Hmm. Isaac is associated with Gvura. Is that hero- heroism? uh yeah, so these spherots have like multiple layers, and yeah, literally, gvura comes from the same root as Gibor, which means a hero. Uh, usually, there's this valence in the Kabbalistic writings that it also has to do with setting boundaries uh, and having structure and a certain kind of like more strict judgment. So I'm the
0: I'm I'm the Isaac between us, and you're. Uh... I mean, who's, who's the free spirit, uh, of the Tanakh then? Like, uh, you can, who would be more, if I'm Isaac, then
1: who are you? Well, yeah, I don't know who the free spirit is. Maybe King David, or I feel like the Shekhinah, that's like the more, feels like colorful, changing aspect. But the typical, the typical, uh, pair that's mentioned is like Isaac and Gvura and Avraham and Chesed. Um, which are not really so balanced on their own; that they, they're both like a, a certain extreme, and then they come together in Jacob, uh, which is also known as Tiferet in the Kabbalah, like and that's splendor? like the splendor.
0: You know, that's Tiferet, kind of.
1: Yeah, so literally means splendor, and it's like this probably a splendid mixing together of qualities. That's uh, more of in a middle path. So,
0: oh, so that's kind of like what we're doing. So we're uh-huh. you're the. Um, Chesed, I'm the Gavora and the podcast is the
1: T-Ferret. Oh, yes, that's it. <laughs> Welcome to T-Ferret Podcast. <laughs> no. Like, we're just changing we could, the name. could, no. maybe, maybe it's time to change the name. <laughs> we totally could. We just, I feel like, chose our name in that moment. And just like all of our, aunt, like, Jacob is going to get, not no, no spoilers, but maybe there's going to be some name changes. We had it. some name changes already with Abraham and Sarah. So,
0: yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I love Alpi, though. I think the syllables are so easy, so I'd rather uh, keep the name as it is because I just think it sounds very just uh, delightful on the tongue. Um, so now I understand kind of. I'm seeing some connections between what you're saying of in Jewish texts. We look at Abraham as not Abraham, sorry. We, in Jewish texts, we look at Isaac as Gvora, which you said is not just kind of heroism and strength, but also boundaries and borders which I guess you kind of need if you're digging out a well, like um, are there specific texts related to well that you're kind of referencing as well? Like there's kind of stories or kind of um, Talmudic debates about the well that you're connecting this to, or it's kind of like a more spontaneous connection you have drawn.
1: I think it's again, a Kabbalistic thing that that's one of the metaphors that the Zohar and other mystical writers like, use a lot for divine flow. They always talk about like the living waters are a way of referring to God, godly energy. Uh, So I think that is coming from, from there. Like uh, that's, that's like a metaphor that comes up a lot of how do you access like the well of divine, divine water it's really making me think about kind of another debate
0: I had with my extended family this week that we talked about manners and politeness. And um, you'll see where I'm going with this eventually. So like, it's a bit of a tangential journey that, you know, some people at the table were like, you know, manners and politeness is outdated and it's kind of like oppressive. Um, And then other people were saying manners and uh, manners and kind of rules it's sort of teaching you the game of society. And if you don't know the game, you might lose out. So like, sure, you can criticize them, but it's still a game you play. Um, So similarly, if you think like, oh, manners are stupid, at least you know manners, so you can choose to opt out of the game. But if you withhold that from your children, they won't know the game at all. So they can't even choose to opt in or out because you've taken that away from them. So similarly, kind of with things like prayer and prayer practice, like, let's say you're someone who prays a lot and like finds that really helpful and interesting. But then at, at some point in your life, you're like, you know what? I think this is just malarkey. So you don't teach your kids religion or prayer. So they won't, they won't have anything to reject. So like, that's why sometimes it's interesting to give people something to reject, which is what I'm really getting to about the well. This is now the final point that I'm trying to reach towards. I remember, um, some, you'll, you'll know what I'm alluding to. I don't know what the name for this is that in Judaism, even if we don't feel something, we should do it. So that way it's there for us when we need it. Um, so like, if you don't feel like praying every day, you should still pray because you'll have that kind of skill sets. Um, so similarly, like think about the well, digging it out. If you just let the well fall in on itself, you won't have that kind of familiarity or nostalgia for prayer. Like you should be cultivating the prayer regularly by digging it, by digging that well. Like this is, of course, I'm not prescribing this. I'm just saying that this is an approach one could take. So similarly you said kind of the well is a representative of spirituality and connection to God because God is deep waters. Um I'm kind of seeing that very directly the kind of like both in your own life but also in the life of your descendants. Like it connects both on a macro level of you those who come after you but also on a micro level within your own life. It's kind of what I'm seeing a little bit from what you're describing.
1: Yeah, I think that's a nice way of painting this out further, but how do we pass on spiritual practices or rules of courtesy or things that are important to us that we want our future generations to be able to interact with somehow? Like how do we carry those practices down so that they can make their own decisions, but to at least have the tools to work with it.
0: And you can even see it kind of in a descendant sort of way because if Abraham dug the original tunnels then the the earth is softer. Like there is a precedent there that's easier to dig out. Like um, when a foundation is laid for you, it's easier the next time when you have to do it again. Um, but if you let it go, I don't want to say the word fallow. That's probably for, more for crops. Fallow, is that the word?
1: At least for crops, yeah.
0: Yeah. For, um, well, the, the, the sifty sand version of fallow. If you let it go fallow, in one generation you can dig it out, but each generation will get harder and harder to dig out. Um, So just kind of like, my mom was also saying this to someone in our extended family. She was like, I know a lot of people don't want to have kids because they think the world is messed up and not worth it. Um, But, you know, having kids is kind of this desire, like, well, something from my life is worth replicating to another life, like worth carrying forward. So like, uh, she kind of challenged the pessimism, like, no one should have children. The world is messed up. Like perhaps you could bring something that's not messed up from your life into the world through another child. So it's kind of like, uh, it all connects that way. And obviously I think passing things on the door is a very big value in Judaism. So it's kind of interesting how, um, even mm-hmm. <laughs> this really random passage you pick, there really is a lot to kind of unpack there both in Jewish texts. You know, we talked about earlier, but also about Jewish values. So I find that really, really fascinating. And I'm, I don't know, it's just delightful.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that we've gone down into this well. Uh, Are there any other pieces you want to pick up from this week's Parsha Paul? You
0: know, there were some things from this Parsha that I had written notes about, but I think where we went organically uh, was even more successful. That, you know, we looked at this Parsha, we looked at the well, and then we kind of connected it to some Hasidic aspects of Abraham, Isaac, and soon to be Jacob, um, and then also kind of drew some metaphors of what the well could mean, you know, for us to take into our lives. So I feel like, you know, despite, despite my structure, the more free flowingness actually, I think created something really valuable. So I, I think that's all I have kind of on this parsha, and I'm just, uh, delighted to where it's, where the, where the water, not where the water fell, where the chips fell, I guess, you know, in this, uh, discussion. Wonderful. And that wraps us up for this week's LP Parsha podcast. As always, I've been one of your co-hosts, Paul Saleka, And as always, I've been here
1: with Aaron Rotenberg. Great podcasting with you today, Paul. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great week, all. Take care.